Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. This is episode 38, Packing the Studio, recorded on September 1st, 16th, and 27th, 2015. My name is Julie Faithan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Shoe Balzer. Hi, Mom. Hello, Julie. So last podcast, we asked people to write in. We don't usually get a lot of comments on the podcast, but the funny thing is I run into a lot of people in classes and other places who always say, oh, I love your podcasts. And I decided that there, and also I can see from the numbers that thousands of people are listening. So I thought, you know, I'd love to hear from people and get some more voices into the podcast. So we asked for a listener mail, and I'm going to read two pieces, and Mom and I are going to talk about them. And I hope that, again, you will write in if you have something to say, because we'd love to add your voice to the conversation. So this mail is from Juliana, and she says, Hearing about Jessica's product... Uh, product design process was so interesting, both the inspiration slash instruction on desired end result from a client and the actual artistic step-by-step she goes through to generate an end product. I was especially intrigued by how she has to deal with perhaps competing demands of the client's original wishes and the details slash constraints of the manufacturing process for a given type of item. Anyways, all of that is to say it made me want to hear more about how your product design process goes, Julie, and how you negotiate the different considerations of company, client, end user, manufacturer, process that you have to juggle along the way, plus the artistic nitty-gritty of how you turn a general starting idea into an actual product slash deliverable. Would love to hear more. Thanks for yet another intriguing and inspiring podcast. So thank you, Juliana. So I think that we could probably do an entire podcast about design. I mean, I think that there's so much in it and everybody's process is different, but I will say in brief the following, which is... um, I think because I design products for uh, crafty use, for lack of a better term, they're, they're art products, I usually, I make what I like, and the companies that I work for are awesome about embracing my style and saying that if I like it, it's okay, which is not to say I've gotten into, into some arguments and said, I want this stencil design and been told no. Um, which is always sad because, you know, you like it, but then you think, well, I can cut that stencil myself and just use it. And if other people like it, awesome. And sometimes the other person's right is the other thing. It's Um, also, isn't it a function of people come to you, so they already know what you do and they want something in the style that you do it. I think part of what Jessica was talking about is because she gets assignments. You don't get assignments I mean, they want right. something from I mean, you, but it's but it's not sort of make this thing that you've never made before that we want. Yes. I don't get assignments like, hey, we need a puppy dog. Like occasionally Jamie from Crafters Workshop will say to me, we need something Christmas, um, which oddly enough is actually really hard for me. As soon as someone says, you know, we need something, whatever, then I my brain goes dead. But um You know, I don't have the same, but I will say this, like, for instance, stencils, the practicalities of it. So last time Jessica was talking about how, like, um, if you put a design on the mini refrigerator, just through the uh, process, it's too small. Do you know what I mean for them to do? So with stencils, there are actually so many practicalities about how to design a stencil because obviously it falls apart if you don't design it properly. Um, and the other thing, of course, is sometimes if you don't put enough bridges in and a bridge is like, if you see a, a, um, a C that's a stencil, it's often actually in three parts. It's sort of like the back curve and then the top and the bottom curve, not because a C isn't already a single part, but just because without those two bridges, that's what separates, you know, the three parts. What happens is the stencil is just so wobbly, it becomes really difficult to use. So one of the things that has been a learning curve issue for me is not just designing with bridges because it's easy to put bridges into anything, but it's like what designs actually look good with bridges um, and what designs don't. I'll also say that I think with the um, increasing use and popularity of electronic die cutting machines where people can make their own designs, I think the general consumer is getting more and more savvy about what can be made into a stencil design simply because they're learning from cutting like, oh, if I cut the hole out of that, it comes off in four pieces instead of just coming off in one piece, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, stencils are sort of the most technical issue. The good news about a stamp is you really can design anything you want. It pretty much holds together as a stamp. 
Um, and then the other thing that I would just say is my process is totally non-consistent. So it depends what it is. But what I usually try to do is sit down with a bunch of um, uh, a bunch of time because I need to binge create. I have a lot of trouble doing like uh, I don't know why this is because I can do like ten minutes in my art journal, but for some reason when it comes to dragging vector points around or anything like that, I have a lot of trouble doing it in brief periods of time. So I, I honestly like to have like six hours or something because I find that the stuff that I create later in that amount of time is much better than my initial stuff. So I think there's something for me at least about the quantity of time. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Well, thanks. Do you think that answers Juliana's question? I think it's the beginning, but I think you're right. It would make a great podcast, maybe with one or two other guests. Who, yeah, uh, let's put that on things. the list. Let's put that okay. on the podcast list of things to do is let's get a couple designers to just talk about process because I think that's a very interesting topic. Okay, and that's another thing that readers can do or listeners can do is they can write in if they have ideas for things they'd like to learn about on the podcast or hear discussed. Yes, absolutely. That would be great. Because then I don't have to use my brain to think about those things. It's quite a strain, I'm sure. It is. It hurts my head so bad, Mom. Okay, so our next piece of listener mail is from Kay. And Kay says, uh, another great podcast. Jessica's comment about not writing in her art journal resonated with me. I was struggling with art journaling because I have never been one to write down my feelings, but I need to get those feelings out of me. So my solution is to journal first, then make art over the words. So when I finish a journal, I will go through it and pull out the pages I like the most and either create over the pages left in the book or discard it. My negative feelings aren't left for my family to read if I drop dead and I've unloaded what I need to for myself. It works for me. So I thought that was a really interesting suggestion. I think it goes to what you use your journal for and everybody's going to use it for something different. Is it a way just to expel some bad feelings and thoughts and then once they're out of you, you feel better? Is it a place to work out artistic ideas and experiments? I think there are, or is it a daily diary, sort of the way Project Life is for some people? So I think, you know, you, and you can have more than one journal for different purposes. I agree. I have more than one pair of black shoes for different purposes. There you are. I have a ton of different black sweaters. <laughs> I, I know you do. You're the lady of a thousand black sweaters. And the truth is they really are all different. It really – and so, yeah, so, of course, a journal to fit all those things. But I also think – and I think this is really important about what Kay says. Is she says several times it works for me. And I think uh, – it would be hilariously wrong if the same kind of art journaling fit everyone because it just doesn't. We're all unique. And like one of the things that's so great about the explosion of art journaling is you see so many different examples of how you can do it. And so I think it is a lot about finding the thing that works for you. I remember talking to um, Karen Grunberg, who has been a guest on this podcast, and she was saying that the first thing that anybody tells you when you start to art journal is paint the background so you don't have a white page. And she said she never could art journal until she finally figured out she liked having a white page and she wanted the backgrounds of all her art journal pages to be white. And so she never paints the background at all. And she doesn't do what I think a lot of people traditionally think of, oh, and you do an art journal background and then you do whatever in front. She just, she's, she's all about white page, add the focal image, add some supporting, you know, images, text, etc. And she said that's what works for her and makes her love it. And I love her pages. And I think, you know, again, like you need to listen to yourself about what's going to work for you and what's not. Hello, today is September 1st, 2015, and we are discussing moving. Moving is one of the most terrible, disruptive, life-altering experiences. And when they rank the life traumas, they actually put moving up there with divorce and death of a loved one. So I imagine well, gosh, you're stressed. Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> I am stressed. I am stressed. I'm about a month away from my moving date. Uh, and the thing that stresses me out uh, is, well, I mean, besides the fact that, like, obviously moving somewhere is stressful, is moving this stupid art studio of mine is causing me heart palpitations. Isn't that 
even if you were just moving to another apartment in the same building, I think you, you would still feel stressed. It's the act of deconstructing something which is such a familiar part of your life. But this it is and I and it is it is and I obviously have fear too about like whether this because right now my studio works for me it's smaller than I would like it to be but like I've got it to a highly functioning point and I am concerned that it won't be highly functioning at the next location because you're going to change your brain and be a different person who doesn't know how to arrange her room no, but because the space is different and, and and because I rented a place without actually seeing it. I mean, I've seen a floor plan and I've seen a comparable unit, but like I, without actually seeing the size of the rooms or I mean, like it, it it's a little nerve wracking. Well, actually, let me just take you back to you lived in a different apartment in your same current building. And yes. when you moved to this new apartment, there there's an alcove, which I think was meant for dining and originally your computer was in the same room with your art studio and at some point you moved it out and you took all the business part the computer part so that it's now in a separate room in this alcove and you actually said it was a wonderful thing in so many ways and I think the same thing may happen which is when you're forced to rethink how you do things because the layout of the rooms is different you may find that there are lots of great new ways to think about doing your business and doing your art that you simply couldn't consider because you didn't have the space. I think that's true. I think the biggest thing that I've been thinking about right now, because I'm in the purging phase, is what what can I really live without? You know, because when you're in one space, it's fine if you keep those weird little washers that someone gave you or that you found somewhere because you think, oh, I'll use it at some point, Right. But then when I'm thinking about I am paying for everything in this apartment to move and the fewer things I have, the less I pay. Well, I doubt that you're paying a lot to move a few little weird washers. Okay. Well, then probably it's some bigger stuff and it does all add up. Do you know what I mean? Yes and no. Like, what because am I... what I'm going to tell you is time is also a factor. And at some point you can't waste time obsessing about something. There's some things that are obvious, throw them out. There's some things that are obvious, keep them. And then the iffy ones, you know, at some level, how much time are you going to spend looking at them and thinking about them and having it keep you awake at night? It, either way, it will be fine. Bring them, you can all... Clearly, I'm going to spend all my time obsessing about them and whether I should keep them and whether it was a bad idea to get rid of them. And I mean, that's clear. That's but very clear. That now. would be fine <laughs> if you didn't also have your career continuing and assignments and teaching and travel, that's all continuing to happen. So you're basically on a moving train at the same time that you're trying to uh, fix the train. Yeah, because I was saying like, you know, so I'm moving at the beginning of October. I have three trips in September, business trips that I'm taking along with, again, having to pack up and get out. And I was, last night, you and I were talking about how to keep my blog running while I'm traveling and packing and things are becoming discombobulated and I won't have access to a working studio and the for at least a week. The internet. And the Your internet, yes. is dependent on the internet. Right. We were saying that there would probably be at least four to five days where, like, obviously I can, like, be on my phone where I have, like, you know that kind of service, but I won't have any Wi-Fi or like a computer set up for at least four to five days. Um, and then I certainly won't have a working studio for probably two weeks. I mean, I could probably get some small amount of stuff together in a week, but that it's just, I'm, I'm having a hysterical like thing about whether is my business going to fall apart? Am I going to, you know, what's going to happen during that time period and how fast am I going to have to run, so to speak, to make everything work? Because I actually think that timeline is pretty darn fast to get everything back and running. People are going to have to wait to hear the end of this podcast to find out if you live <laughs> through it. I will say that what it's happens true. with you, and I guess as your mother, I've observed this, you think something is a big deal and then you take care of it and instead of patting yourself on the back for having taken care of it and it's one thing off the list you immediately dismiss it as if it was nothing because you were able to take care of it and the next thing on the list becomes mount everest you don't well see this is the secret to my success mom is that i'm never satisfied and i always think i suck or so it's I'm the secret to, to the stress better. 
that you maintain, which is you never feel that the list gets shorter. It's true. The list never does get shorter, right? There always seems to be another. Right. Item As on your it. therapist, I'm telling you to stop, breathe, <laughs> and pat yourself on so the back. So here are some things before I make the move. Let's just talk about so that we've talked about the negatives and the things I'm nervous about and all that kind of stuff. Let's talk about some of the things I'm excited about. Let's. So one of the reasons that I'm moving is because I think it's a important way to grow my business. I'm looking to grow past what I can do here in New York, right? So uh, there, there are a couple uh, forks, tines, strands, something. I don't know. There are a couple tines? things. Strands? I was thinking like tines of a fork. I know, I there are a couple but... different. You're always telling me to work on my vocabulary. Okay. Let's just use the word things uh, to do uh, items, items, things that I think will be good. A couple different ways I want to expand. So one thing is that people often ask me if I sell my art. They often ask me you know, to sell uh, whether it's original art or prints or I actually have a ton of jewelry. I've made all sorts of stuff. And it's just I've never had the space. Shipping, believe it or not, actually requires an enormous amount of space. Not to mention, if you make prints and stuff, that requires storage. Not to mention boxes, mailers, all that kind of stuff. So one of the things that I'm excited to venture into um, is to have more space, which the space that I rented is bigger. Um, it's about it's twice as big, if not even more than twice as big. Um, but having the space to uh, do some of that shipping and the direct sales kind of stuff, which people ask me for all the time. So I'm excited to do that. I hope that'll be a really good decision. Um, I also have this fear. Uh, my father actually recently asked me, you know, why I didn't sell anything. And I said, I sort of have this irrational fear besides the space thing that like I would offer something for sale and everybody would be like, why would I buy that? Which may very well happen too. So that's, I got to get over that stuff too. Insecurity. It's a terrible thing, isn't it? Um, and then the other way I want to expand my business is I would like to not travel teach almost at all like at all. Very, 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 very rarely. And um, I'd like to bring almost all of my teaching to a local level. So whether that's like I did these two classes at home this year, which were so fantastic. The students were amazing. It was great to have people in my home. Like it just felt warm and great. And I also find myself interested more in teaching multi-day classes. So I like one-day classes, but really like getting to spend two, three, four days working on something, you can go deeper, you can do more advanced stuff, you can get past that introductory level. And I feel like I'd like to do some of those, more of those kinds of things with a small group for a longer retreat, you know, um, and I know that finding space in New York and stuff to do is just like crazy, whereas I know that finding space where I'm going in Massachusetts is going to be a lot easier and some of those possibilities will exist. I know that I've also expressed on my blog and on this podcast and in my life, maybe too much, mom, I don't know, but uh, I want to work bigger. Mm hmm. I'd like to work on some bigger canvases. I'd like to work on some bigger paper. I would just like to stop having everything have to fit on a little desk. And I know um, I was saying to you when we were looking at places that one of the things I was most geeked out about, which sounds so stupid to anybody who doesn't live in New York, is the idea of like, I would like to be able to go to Home Depot. I mean, I've been a renter forever and I'm still going to be a renter and that's fine. But I'd like to be able to go to Home Depot, buy some drywall, stick it up in my rental apartment so I don't ruin the walls, you know, just prop it up and then be able to nail a canvas onto that propped up wall and paint directly on it instead of needing an easel, which is always fiddly and never quite right and da 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 Like that just sounds like the most amazing luxury to me to be able to do that. And it's not like you can do that in New York. I don't even know how I would get the drywall past the doorman. I don't even know how I get any. Anyway, the in whole thing. Cab. Um, in a cab. <laughs> Hilarious. Not going to happen. Um, and then, and there's other stuff like that. Like I, you have a little painted rocking chair that I did actually as a kid. And I've always loved painted furniture, but there just aren't the kind of like junk shops. And if there are junk shops around here, it still means like literally the Housing Works thrift store or the Salvation Army thrift store. If you go to buy a chair there, that is a $75, $125 chair. That's not a like, hey, this chair is $10, you know, piece of junk that you then can paint and transform or whatever else. And I think like I'm looking for some of those opportunities to do some junk picking, to do the trans some transforming of things, which I would really like to do. 
I don't know. I Those are sort of my hopes, I guess, for sort of the ways in which my business will grow and change. I don't know how realistic they are or what will actually happen, but that's some of the stuff that kind of motivated the move. You may find that things happen that are unexpected or that you haven't anticipated that are good. So uh, the one thing missing from your list, I didn't hear the part where you're moving here to be closer to me. Was that was that something you left off the list? I it never even occurred to me. Oh. Actually, the perfect thing about living closer to you, and I've already threatened this to you, so you're well aware of it, is that I never need to go grocery shopping again. I'm just going to come over, see what you have in the fridge. You sleep late. I'll just slip in, slip out. I'll be like the borrowers. You'll just sort of find stuff missing, and you won't know where it went. Be sure and drop Except by around dinner you. time, too. <laughs> I know. Oh, hey, Mom, what's for dinner? It's so hard to cook for one, Mom. Wouldn't you rather cook for two? Won't that be nice? God, you're doing this as a favor to me. I appreciate it. Favor. <laughs> it'll be good. It'll be fun. And you know what? It'll be so much easier now. I won't have to set the timer on my camera to take photos of myself. You can just do it. My pleasure. There you go. Working for the Balls or Dimes business. Oh, because that's another thing, which is I'm hoping to hire an assistant with some of the money I'm saving in rent. I'm hoping to hire an assistant to help me with some business stuff. So I hope that will grow the business too. I see. Well, you know what? There you go. All so. of these things are possible. I, I feel like it's, you've been in New York for 16 years. I think you built an entire business on your own, basically, out of nothing. Uh, I'm impressed with that. And now it's relatively portable. The internet and air travel has, and ha has made it possible for you to do this from anywhere. And that's a wonderful thing. Although I have to tell you, a friend of mine creeped me out. Um, he said to me, he said, don't you ever worry that like your art is really influenced by New York City and like the urban vibe and the noise and all that kind of stuff and that um, moving is going to disrupt that. And at first I was totally freaked out and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be so crappy if I move and I need the city. And then I thought, you know what? People's art changes all the time. Yeah. This is just, I mean, if I, if I had a baby, I'm sure that my art would change. If I, you know, whatever. I mean, like things happen in your life that are different and they change the way that you interact with your environment. It's not right? as if you are going to just sit in your apartment and never go to a museum, never take a trip to the ocean, never walk in a forest. Do you know what I mean? There are never go back to New York City. I think of this as offering you a lot more time also because in New York, you have to fight for everything. Everything just takes well, more time. Yes. I have to say, I did look last night at hotel prices for like one of the hotels that's right across the street from me. And I was like, oh, it's $199 a night. I think I probably pay more for my apartment every night, honestly, and rent than that. So I could come and stay for a week and be perfectly fine. I think in the end, it's not bad. It's like when you, have you ever had this experience? I'm sure you have, and I'm sure the listeners have, where you move. And so the picture that always hung in this place has to hang in a different place. And the you rearrange the furniture and you see things in a different way. And I think you'll see things in a different way with your art too. I think I will too. I'm... I'm nervous, but I'm excited, but I'm nervous, but I'm excited. And so I guess we'll have to check in, check in in a month or so and see where things are, right? I hope you will check in. I, I hope that when you're back here, we'll talk on the phone endlessly just as much as we do now. So it's September 16th, 2015, and we thought we'd give you a little update to the move. My back hurts, my feet hurt, I'm grumpy, I'm covered in dust, my hands are black. It's a very sad day, Mom. I think uh, you should talk about the kind of discoveries you've made while you're uh, trying to pack and throw things out. So I have been, uh, I've spent the last, I don't know, like eight hours <laughs> digging through my studio and um you know it's it's interesting and frightening both at the same time because on the one hand I have been coming across a lot of you know half-finished projects or um projects that 
you know, like I came across some beautiful bead embroidery or uh, necklaces that are halfway done. I happen to have been cleaning out a lot of jewelry today. I've also come across quilting things or like class handouts from classes I taught uh, years ago when I used to actually do handouts, etc. Um, and so it's been an interesting sort of journey back in time through all those things. And I've also discovered a lot of things that I thought were missing or I had forgotten about. And at the same time, I'm trying to be very smart about throwing stuff away and donating things. So I basically, you know, I have a trash can that I'm filling and I have a box of uh, to donate that I'm filling. And I'm ha I've put stuff in the donate box and I've taken it out again. And, you know, I find that... So, for instance, I came, I came across my huge stash of UT, which if you've never used UT, it's this ultra-thick embossing enamel. And I was like, you know, I haven't used UT in a long time, and I don't really think that I probably will again, so maybe I'll just put it on the donate box. And then in the second drawer, I found some beads that I had made from UT, and I was like, oh, these are so cool. I want to be able to do this again. So out came all the UT back into the drawers. Um which I don't know if that was a good decision or a bad one, but it's been made now twice. Uh, and, you know, I, there's other stuff where, it's, where I can see the price of something written on it, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I spent $40 on this, and I never used it. I guess I should keep it. But it's like, if I haven't used it and I'm not going to, why am I keeping it just because I spent $40 on it? And in that vein, I actually came across a bag and in it was a whole bunch of stuff from the City Quilter, which is the local quilt shop here in New York City. And there was a receipt. And the receipt was dated from 2009. And everything in the bag was that was on the receipt was still in the bag. So I guess it's not stuff that I needed. It's just stuff that I wanted. But I finally unpacked it today in 2015. So only six years later. Now it's vintage. Um, and unsurprisingly, my taste has changed. So I looked at some of the fat quarters and stuff I had bought and thought, really? I bought these on purpose? Um, you know, and that's kind of interesting because I think we think of ourselves as staying kind of the same, you know, but, uh, our taste, our interests, our sensibilities do really change over time, or at least mine seem to have. Okay. Um, there are a couple of other things I wanted to touch on here around moving. One is you found that you had kept all your old scripts and you have notebooks on different plays that you've directed. And we had this discussion about the fact that you couldn't bear to throw them away. And I said, you really shouldn't because it's, they are sort of scrapbooks of a time in your life, or they are project life of what you were doing, your notations in the borders of the script, et cetera. It's like a diary. Yeah, you know, uh, it really is. And I, when I say I've been a memory keeper forever, I, I think I really have always been a memory keeper. Before I started art journaling, I used to keep these journals, which I've kept since college, um, that I, that I called them the first one I guess I called the everything book and then it just stuck and now that's like the everything book one the everything book 27 and in those books I would sometimes make diary entries where I would talk about feelings and stuff like that I would keep um, important phone numbers I mean this is a lot of this is obviously in college when I started the internet was sort of in its infancy and we certainly didn't have you know phones and all that kind of stuff so I would just keep important phone numbers, important notes, like dates, things I need to do, you know. And then I would also along the way like paste in photos or menus or souvenirs from things, ticket stubs, etc. And it was called the Everything Book. And after college when I moved to New York and I was working in the theater, those notebooks translated into – I started keeping notes on – shows and uh, during rehearsals on things I was directing and so it's um it's it's a look at my life and I just thought th these are scrapbooks in a less formal put together sense they're certainly pieces of pieces of me and you know it's funny because I think um there's a lot of questions about like what what will you ever do with this like you know should I someday have children what the heck will they ever do with it um and I don't know, but I do know that 
the idea of throwing them away, even though I don't know if I'll ever look inside them again, but the idea of throwing them away made me too sad to even contemplate because it was, it, it is my history. Yeah. So I think you should keep them. Uh, I sometimes feel that way about these dumb little scraps of paper I have around like packing lists and things. Cause when I look at them, I actually can remember what is this trip and you know, what was I planning to do? And it just, it's funny, but sometimes these little lists and scraps are meaningful long after the event is over. I think that's true of so many things. I mean, I think that like, I was thinking, somebody said to me, are, is there going to be an elevator in the new place that you moved to? Like, how are you ever going to take those elevator photos? And I was thinking, you know, if you if I were to do an exhibit where I would just post all the elevator photos that I've taken over the years I've lived in this building, you know, it would be fascinating, not I mean, partly because of the magnitude, but just also partially because you'd be like, oh, you're carrying an umbrella in this one. Oh, I see you have luggage. Oh, you're with this friend here and you're with that one there. And you're, you know, it's like your life in little tiny tidbits of moments. And I think all of it triggers memories. You'll have to buy a really good full-length mirror for the new there place. There you go. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about uh, the fact that you found your artistic mojo kind of waning during this packing and moving uh, period. Yeah, it's a funny thing. I mean, I, I've had a lot of trouble actually like going into the studio and generating work and and part of it is because I mean I've even had trouble getting into my art journal every day even though it's the simplest thing it's set up for me to do it I just I don't know if it's because I'm dealing with a lot of stuff that I don't want to deal with like emotionally I don't want to like open that can of worms or if it's just because I sort of don't want to use anything in the studio because I feel like I have to deal with it then. Do you know what I mean? Like I can't decide. I feel like I'm very, I feel very much in purgatory. Like I'm neither, I'm neither here nor there at this point. I'm kind of stuck in this weird midpoint and I don't know. It's just, it's, I'm finding it hard. It's like I was, I was saying my brother is driving up to um, the Boston area this weekend. And so we offered to take some of my stuff and drop it off at my mom's house and uh, well, at your house mom as you know i was and, hoping uh, I, was, I was hoping I you were was hoping you were you the were mom <laughs> i'm glad that you're the mom in that sentence anyway um but so it's like this weird thing where i was going through this whole like well will i need my sewing machine i'm only here for three more weeks will i need my sewing machine will i need you know what will i not need what can i pack up what's you i i don't know i'm have i'm having a uh I'm having a little bit of a crisis. You know, I think that's the worst part of moving. It's really not the actual physical labor because we can all do physical labor. I really think it's the decision making that uh, is crazy making. Yeah, there's some weird emotional sturm and drang around like feeling like you have to make all these decisions and in the end like what's the worst case scenario i pack everything i take everything i throw half of it away once i get there as opposed to throwing it away on this end you know i mean that's like is that really the worst thing that in the world but i don't know i just i i feel sort of overwhelmed by it right now at the same time that I also, it made me feel a little sad because I guess, so the two areas that I cleaned up today are two of my least used areas, which is maybe why I decided to attack them, which is sort of my quilting and sewing stuff and my jewelry stuff, which are two things that I love, but I just have not been doing as much as I've been painting and collaging and stuff lately. And it, it made me sad a little bit to go through all that stuff and to think about how much uh, I want to do and like then that made me feel like I was running out of time and man I'm getting very like morbid for I don't know no reason I'm just having one of those pity party moments. Did it in any way rekindle your uh, interest in some of these artistic pursuits that you've kind of put on the back burner? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is, I as you wander through the old supplies and the old stuff, you're like, that was so much fun. Why did I stop doing that? And the truth of the matter is a lot of the reason I stopped doing a lot of the quilting I was doing is space. It's just really, really hard. 
um, in this amount of space that I have to get a lot of quilt stuff going because that, that's a kind of space hoggy, um, that's a space hoggy craft. I will say that without question or art form or whatever you want to call it, pursuit. Um, so I'm actually really looking forward to in the new place having some more space and being able to pursue a little bit more quilting, sewing, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then jewelry too. I mean, you and I were talking about this and I was saying, oh, cause I found some lamp worked beads that I had made. I found, you know, embroidered stuff. I found bead crochet. I found, you know, lots of findings and fixings and all sorts of other stuff. And, and I remember saying to you, oh, I want to do more of this. But again, it's just, for me, some of it is a space issue, which is just, okay, if I'm going to do jewelry, then I have to take out all the jewelry stuff that I need, and then I have to put it back, as opposed to I have my painting stuff already sort of out, you know? So I'm hoping that having more space will allow me to have like a dedicated table that always has the jewelry stuff on and around it so that there's no like putting it in and away and the same with the quilting which is like if you have a dedicated sewing space then you don't have to constantly be moving stuff in order to make room for the other stuff etc 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 it's kind of like um if you own a mixer but it's not on the counter and you have to take it out from underneath and like climb through your pots and pans it's a big pain and so you never use the mixer but if it sits on your counter I feel like you use it more so that's why I'm hoping to get the space in order to have all these things essentially sit on my counter well so you'll have a new and exciting problem when you move which is where how to set up and what to do first and i'm looking forward to finding out what you do well i hope you're you're very much going to be a part of that because Uh Uh i know (laughs) see this is the problem when i move close to you is now you can come and help me i thought you were going to take care of me well, it goes both ways, Ma. It goes both ways. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we'll see. We'll come back and do another update on the moving a little bit later. Um, but so far, it's a little bit crazy making, I'm not going to lie. How will we tell that you're crazier than usual? Fair point. Fair point. Talk to you later. Bye. Hey, so it is September 27th, 2015, and we are uh, talking about moving and uh, packing up that darn studio. Let's talk about the fact that uh, on the last podcast, you had noticed that really a lot of things in my house act as a kind of uh, record for me of my life. And I think one of the issues you're discovering in packing up your house and purging a lot of items is that in a way it's a stroll down memory lane. Some of it's good, some of it's not good. And these are the kinds of decisions that really uh, sometimes are hard to make, what to keep, what to throw, what to move. It is. And it's, I mean, it's complicated because, you know, there are things that I made that I loved at the time but I look at them now and they I don't love them so that's one or they just have painful memories associated with them I have a lot of sad art that I made um which I pitched 90% of and it was interesting because I posted on Facebook the other day on my Facebook page I said you know I'm I really, I found these three stenciled faces and I really like them and I'm putting them in the coming with me pile. And somebody said, wait, is there a not coming with me pile? And the answer is, yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff I threw away. One of the things I had the, I mean, besides like actual art supplies, actual finished art that just went to the garbage. Um, but one of the things I had a lot of trouble with was I came across a lot of photos and it's hard to throw away photos, especially pre-digital photos. That just felt like a bad idea, even though a lot of those photos feature my ex-husband and a me that's 100 pounds heavier and, you know, a lot of things that, you know, you kind of want to close the door on to a certain extent, but then I couldn't get rid of them because I just felt like that's part of me. So I have a couple drawers of stuff that's just called deal with later. (laughs) That's, that seems like a good idea. I, I think time is limited. 
And if it's torturing you making a decision, then what the heck, take it and decide later when you're unpacking. And if you find that you never go there once you've moved, that's kind of a sign. It is. And I will say unrelated to uh, packing art supplies and art stuff, uh, I did, of course, come across a bag of receipts from 2010. And you said, you don't have to sort through it. Just take the bag with you and keep moving. Yeah, you have to keep your IRS material for seven years. But why sort it? If you never have to go into it, great. It's true, which would be a good thing. I don't know. This whole... um, process has just been so interesting to think about like what can you let go of and I mean I think you can take it to like a huge philosophical point of view which is I'm sort of overwhelmed amazed and ashamed by the amount of crap that I have and why are you ashamed I don't know it feels kind of like greedy or I don't know I just feel like how can a person have so many things it just seems really selfish and greedy i guess i think it seems sentimental well there you go oh see you're you're thinking that i'm thinking about like stuff like things that i've made and stuff like that no i'm actually talking about like so for instance i came across like at least four or five boxes of unopened watercolor paints when i did the kitchen renovation i had to completely empty out the existing kitchen and of course, I found, I am not kidding, seven bottles of soy sauce. <laughs> I see. So you're going to live off of soy sauce and I'm going to live off of watercolor paints. I'm just saying, you know, you're in the store, you see something, you know, you use it. You certainly don't want to run out. So you just grab it. And over time, you forget about it. It's true. I hey, did have. I, you're I, a human I, being. I know. I'm glad I'm a human being. But I did discover, of course, I was like, oh, I keep buying. Like, for instance, I found like 12 packages of, uh, 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 not electric, uh, mechanical pencils, okay? And each package had one pencil removed. So clearly what that says to me is I keep buying packs of mechanical pencils because I need one, removing one, and then forgetting that I have the package so that I go buy another one. So... But you're keeping the mechanical pencil manufacturers alive. I know things that are important. Um, But so it was interesting because I feel like I have literally touched every single thing in my studio at this point. I feel like it is more curated than has ever been. I mean, I went through every drawer, every file, Every piece of pattern paper in that studio was hand curated, yay, nay. Every embellishment. I mean, I feel like having actually had my hands on everything has, I just feel educated or knowledgeable about what I have and what I don't have and, you know, where everything is. And what you're not interested in anymore. You know, yeah. it's actually a really good self knowledge kind of exercise. Well, I will say the hoarder in me was a little bit ashamed because um, I found so many things that I had hoarded as precious that I looked at now and I was like, I'm never going to use that. It's just not my style anymore. And it was a great reminder to use what you love right now. Don't be afraid of wasting it. Don't be afraid of using it up. Don't be afraid of any of that stuff because the fact of the matter is there's two things, which is A, If you use it in a project, then you have it in a way that you don't when it's a supply sitting in your drawer. And then similarly, I feel like when you uh, when you love something, it, it may be that you will change your mind about it later. So you should use it now while you still think it's awesome. Yes, although, of course, art supplies, many of them dry out or crumble lose their pigment over time it's the same thing as when you save clothes that you love and also you think oh maybe I'll wear this again in 10 years when it comes back in style and then it comes back in style and the collar's too big the shoulders you know you don't wear those kind of shoulders anymore things slight things that make it so you'll never use it but honestly I don't discount sentiment if something makes you feel good if it was from a place in your life where you felt something and you still want to have that feeling or the memory of that feeling, keep it. 
What the well, heck? Well, you don't have to live in this apartment. Well, actually, That's I don't true. have to live in this apartment much no. longer either. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what I was going to say is, you know, I also think that there is something about... Um, we Like, I don't think of art supplies as fashion-related, meaning that they have an expiration date, that, like, things are in fashion or not in fashion. But I, I really realized through this process that they are highly fashionable and that there are trends that come in and out. And I could see the troves of, like, for a while there was a trend of clear embellishments. And, you know, I carefully hoarded the little boxes that I had spent, you know, $7, $10 of little clear embellishments. But now I looked at them and I was like, I'm never going to use these clear embellishments. And the thing is, I also had this moment where I was like, well, one of the things I did when I didn't have a lot of supplies and I was super thrifty and blah, 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 is I would I would repaint over pattern paper to make it more my style. Or I would take an embellishment that I didn't like and, like, make it more my own. And I thought, well, I could do a lot of that. And then I thought, you know what I would rather do is I would rather pass it on to somebody who will love it just as it is. And I passed the uh, boxes and boxes and boxes of supplies that I boxed up from my studio onto a friend. And the nicest thing is she she was so excited to get it all. And she immediately started saying all the, the ways that she was going to pay it forward. And she was going to, there's a children's theater company near her and she was going to pay give it towards them. She does a lot of work. She's on the board of a children's cancer group and she was going to, you know, bring boxes of supplies and she, you know, and she just, she has a lot of plans. She has nieces that she wanted to give stuff to. She has another friend who's a crafter. And, you know, I thought, um, it was amazing because one of the things that she wrote to me is she said, uh, that she, she said, I'm actually crying because I'm so overwhelmed by your generosity, you know, blah, 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 blah. blah. And I thought, you know, it's to me, it made it a it, it made my life easier like i said to her you're actually doing me a favor because actually it made my life easier knowing that this stuff was going to a good home where it would be appreciated made it easier to let go of it you know i think that's great and i will also say that in the process of doing what you were describing before which is painting the paper so you'd like it more changing the embellishment that, I think, got you to where you are now, which is you virtually make everything. You don't buy paper. You make your paper. You know, you don't buy embellishments. You make your own. But that was all a process throughout o over time of you doing these other things. Everything brings you forward to where you are now. That's true. I mean, I think we've talked about that with a lot of different podcast guests, too, which is that there is no wasted effort whatever you were or you know used to do or whatever else i think it finds its way into who you are now and that's why you can't ever have uh regrets or you know whatever over stuff that happened in the past and feel like anything was a waste of time because it it wasn't and it comes around again let's talk about all the balls you've been trying to keep in the air while you're planning and then executing your moves things like your blog and uh, uh, stuff like that. But I will say this, I'm waiting for you to come, but I also have this kind of unreal feeling. When I was pregnant with you, you were my first child and I knew I was pregnant, but I sort of didn't actually ever really think there was a baby in there until you showed up. So it's the same thing. I'm waiting for you to come here, but it has a kind of unreality at this moment. It has a very strong unreality to me. Like this morning I was doodling in my art journal and I was like, oh, I was counting the days and I was like, oh, there's nine days left. And I can say that and I hear the words coming out of my mouth and I know I've, you know, contracted with the moving company and I know I've contracted for a new place. And I know, like, I know that all these steps have been taken, which I assume is like when you have a baby, you have a baby shower and you've bought clothes and like your belly's getting big and like, you know what I mean? Things are happening. But and yet, and, and yet, <laughs> and yet, there is this kind of unreality to me about it, you know. I wonder um, if it's partially because neither of us has ever seen the apartment you're going into. Yes, that that is also part of the unreality of it. Because again, I I've seen a floor plan and I've seen a like sample apartment, but I have never actually seen the place. So it even makes it hard for me to have like imagination games about this will go here, this will go there, you know. 
exactly. I, mean, I hope it exists in reality. I hope it's <laughs> I hope it's a real thing. Uh, otherwise, I'll be staying with you, Ma. You and two truckloads of stuff. I know, right? Uh, but anyway, so back let's to talk your... about the yeah the planning and executing to keep people uh, who read your blog and so on in the loop while you're doing this. Right. So uh, here's the thing, which is I, I mean, I blog five days a week, sometimes six days a week. My blog is really important to me. My blog readers are really important to me. And I knew that if nothing else, I needed not to drop the ball on that in this, you know, craziness of packing and unpacking. So I was trying to figure out if I could sort of back at the beginning of September, maybe even actually in August, I started trying to figure out, could I stockpile enough blog posts to make it through this time period? It's and not I, just the blog posts. You're also going to lose your internet because yes. you have to give back your computer. Yes. Uh, I will lose modem. my internet here. I will. And I also will lose, you know, I won't have internet at the new place. So there'll be, there's, will be at least a week that I'm pretty much without internet. And then plus there's all like the packing, unpacking, like a million other things. And I was like, I just don't want to have to worry about it. So when I figured out that there, there was just no way that I was going to be able to keep up with it. Um, I decided to do what I think any reasonable person would do. And I re I figured I've got a lot of, friends and just artists I admire and people I like who I would just invite and see what happens. And I think I wrote to like 21 people and I thought maybe half of them will get back to me with something. And I was actually amazed and overwhelmed, you know, by how many people said yes, they would be happy to send me, you know, a guest post to keep people entertained. That was lovely. Um, and so that has relieved me somewhat, although, of course, all the guest posts came in in the last, like, five or six days. And so I've been madly editing, uploading photos, like, you know what I mean, doing all that stuff that needs to get done to get those all posted before the Internet goes bye-bye. Um, and then, of course, there's the normal, you know, business stuff to juggle which is obviously there's email and there are projects that I have to do. I have videos that are due for various companies. I have, you know, obligations all around. So it's just been trying to figure that all out. And one of the things that I think I mentioned in one of the earlier times we talked about this is my goal, if at all possible, is to basically have the studio functional in a week, which I think is ambitious, but I think is sort of a must a must-do situation. It's interesting because most people, when they move, off the kitchen is like something that they immediately want to set up, and but you can eat over here until you're ready. So, yeah, I mean really, that's like that's like a huge luxury, right? I mean, even if I had to sleep at your house, you know, for a week, I could. So yes. I don't have to really worry about getting that other stuff set up unless you know I want to. But like the studio is absolutely that's. That's the heart of my business and my daily life. So uh, in planning your move, there must also be some kind of bittersweet nature of this whole thing. You made the decision to move. It took you a long time to get to this. You know it's right. You haven't had any regrets, but you've lived in New York for 16 years and uh the end of anything, even something that's not good, has a kind of a bittersweet tang to it, would you say? I, I would say without question. I am I am sad to be leaving New York, even though I know it's the right decision for me. I'm torn about it, even though I know it's the right decision. I'm I mean, I'm all those things just because I, I feel very strongly that it's the right decision, but I will also say that enough people, and this is not fair to other people because, you know, you obviously you live your own life and other people have, everybody has their opinion, as they say. Um, but enough people have sort of said to me, oh, don't you think you'll be bored? Or what if you're lonely? Or, you know, uh, I don't know, you've lived in New York for so long. Do you think you can live anywhere else? Or you're such a New York person. How could you do that? Or you're not going to like the people. or You know what I mean? They just plant the seeds of doubt. And sometimes, you know, those those words will creep in at me when I think about the move that's coming. But then I remember 
how long I've been thinking about making this move and how long it took me to finally come to this decision and the fact that New York City will always be here and, you know, I can always come back, but that I, I think the move is going to be really good for me and really good for my business, most importantly. Um, of course, somebody, more space, more, more space, space for is less huge. money. Exactly. Of course, somebody did say to me, uh, well, you'll never find an apartment like the one you have now ever again. And I was like, thank you for being so helpful. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's bittersweet. But then again, like right now, I don't know if you probably can't hear it because I'm on a, uh, a very localized mic, but like I can hear sirens outside my house right now. And that's pretty common every day, multiple times a day. I mean, the other day my father called and he was like, what are the police coming to get you? Because you can just hear sirens. I live in Times Square and you can hear it constantly. And I think there are some things that I don't even realize create stress in me, just like environmental issues. I mean, it's not, walking... just the day, it's not just the daytime when I'm there, yes. I, there are sirens and all kinds of noises all night long. Yes. And it's like, I don't even hear them anymore all the time. <laughs> I'm so used to it. And I think it's the same as like, I don't even, when I'm fighting with crowds down the street, I don't even think about it. I just, if there's a big crowd, I just step into the street and walk down the street instead of the sidewalk. If there's a, you know, line, you just get in it. If there's a crush of people, you just push your way through. If there's a, you know, fight for something, you just fight it. I mean, it's kind of like the other day I was crossing the street and it was a walk signal and this woman in a car honked her horn at me without even thinking about it. I turned her and I screamed at her. Yeah. You I know, I was it, like, it's it, an effing walk signal. And like, and I was <laughs> like, you know, uh, calm down, you know. Well, and there are other things. Yes, there's nature in Central Park, but I know often we've discussed, oh, maybe there's this craft project you'd like to do. But then I say, well, so go get a couple of twigs and some leaves. And you say, where am I supposed to get twigs and leaves? <laughs> well, because did you know it's actually illegal to take any um, flora or fauna or anything out of any New York City park? Right. So there there are not so just where do you go? <laughs> right. So where do you go? There's no trees around my house anywhere. So it would I would have to go to a park and actually literally illegally steal them from wherever. So who knows? But yeah, so I mean, I think it'll be good. I feel bittersweet about it. I feel the negative and the positive. I also feel what an important and I understand about moving now in a different way that I did and I think I will understand even more after I finish this process, but the process of having to go through your life, which is what I feel like having to go through my studio. And of course I'm doing it with the rest of my house too, through my closet, through my everything. It's like, you have to deal with some of your crap, you know, you have to deal with, um, memories. You have to deal with people in your life. You have to deal with how you feel about yourself. You have to deal with your, I mean, I'm having all this stuff in my closet where it's like, do I keep this or do I get rid of it? Oh, I really like this shirt. And if I gain back a ton of weight, I'll be really sad because I'll never be able to find a shirt like this again. But if I keep it, then maybe it's like permission to go back. I mean, and I just think there's tons of stuff like that all over the house. Uh, I'm going to bring this up too. In a way, um, when you you have a good friend who... Uh, got breast cancer and she was the first friend you made when you moved to New York 16 years ago and she died uh week before last and it's almost like a circle I I don't know this may be too too uh spooky but I I feel like it's almost the universe is saying your time here is over well I will say that um when I was in her hospital room um, the day before she died and her boyfriend said to me, you know, she was very worried about you leaving New York. She was very concerned about it. And, uh, he said, and he's, he's a very funny, sarcastic guy. She was a very funny, sarcastic woman. And he said, but she just decided you'd beat you to it. Yeah. It's, it's the circle. The circle is complete. And now you'll try this. And honestly, everything in life uh, is impermanent and moving here could be impermanent. So it's not like you're doing, you're choosing for the rest of your life to come to Boston. There you go. I asked mom, because if, when I, if when I tell you that I'm leaving for Milwaukee, I'm sure you'll be delighted. 
You know, I grew up in outside <laughs> Chicago, and Milwaukee was not that far away. That's My true. My fear I... is when you go to Australia uh, this coming year that you'll meet somebody down there, and the next thing I know, you'll be living in Australia. Now, that would be tougher. Well, here's the thing. Even if I met the love of my life in Australia, I got to get real with you. They'd have to come with me because everybody who's been to Australia, and if you're an Australian listener, I apologize ahead of time, has said to me, you won't like the food. (laughs) And I can't live somewhere that I don't love the food. The food is too important to me. I'm so glad to hear that. (laughs) You raised me that way, Mom. You should know. Anyway, we should probably wrap up this moving podcast. I hope you guys have enjoyed our uh, three-part series. I don't know, Mom, if there's anything you want to say to wrap it up on your end. No, but I think down the road we might do a podcast after you've been here a while to see what the effect on your art and your professional life has been from moving. I think that sounds like a very good idea. So uh, you can find me at balzerdesigns.typepad.com and do leave us your comments or questions at balzerdesigns.com slash arting. We'd love to hear from you and read them on air. So if you tweet about the show, please use the hashtag pound arting podcast, A-R-T-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. <laughs>